turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. You've heard AM, you've heard FM. Now, tune into DM Radio, the world's longest running show about data. Each week, host Eric Cavanaugh interviews the brightest minds in the world of information management. Want to be on a show? Send an email to info at dmradio.biz. Now, here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. Hello and welcome back once again to the longest running show in the world about data. It's called DM Radio. Yours truly, Eric Cavanaugh here. And I'm very excited to talk about a hot topic in the world of data. It's all about data exchanges, moving data around or buying data, renting data, using data in responsible ways. We are, of course, in the information age. This is the information economy and it runs on data. So we're going to talk about different ways to move data around and to share data, share and share alike. That's the topic today. It's a thing. So we're big on sharing data. And uh, that's a really good trend in the marketplace, quite frankly, because a lot of times, historically, what have we done? We've basically created stovepipes. We've created silos of data within our organizations, and uh, we don't even share them across the organization very well. So that's been a bit of a trend. Uh, Collaboration, of course, is a big deal these days. We're starting to see collaboration capabilities woven into a lot of these different platforms, which is fantastic news. Things like notes, things like lineage information, for example, such that someone who logs in and gets a set of data can very quickly ascertain what this data is, what it's to be used for, what it's not to be used for. Of course, we've got some regulations that are uh, moving us in certain directions. The GDPR out of the European Union, of course, is a big deal. The General Data Protection Regulation here in the the USA, you have the CCPA, the California Consumer Privacy Act. Uh, which in some ways is maybe even a bit uh, more strenuous than GDPR. And they've tried in other states. In New York, they tried. It didn't didn't work. Uh, But there are straws in the wind, to say the very least. This is the direction things are going. And we'll find out more from our guests today. So Michelle Dwigu is our first guest from a company called Procure Docs, dialing in all the way from Calgary. So Michelle, welcome to DM Radio. Tell us a bit about yourself and what you folks are doing to enable responsible use of information assets. You bet. Thanks, Eric. So, yeah, I'm Michelle from ProcureDocs Business Solutions up here in Calgary, and uh, I'm the VP of Operations. And, uh, yeah, we move data for our customers. So if we can pull data out of their system, whether it's via an API, web service, even an SQL query, and they want us to put it in another system, and as long as we have the ability to do that, we can move that data for them. So uh, right now, a lot of our customers, it's B2B, and uh, they're using their data in the procurement space. Mm -hmm. So creating purchase orders and sending those POs electronically to their vendors, uh, doing goods receipts, advanced shipment notices, and eventually the invoicing as well, too, is all transmitted electronically. And we move all of that data for them within the specified formats that are required for everybody's systems as well, too. Yeah, that's pretty cool stuff. And the the genesis of this company, did it come out of a need for security, for privacy, for governance, that kind of thing? Is that where the idea came from to take this approach? The idea basically came from, I don't want to have to key in the same data over (laughs) and over again. (laughs) So that's what we're we're really aiming to do is increase that efficiency for those office users. So instead of, you know, having to key in information into one system, turn around, key in the exact same information into another system, and then actually even key it into a third system. So we can take it from that original system and have it flow all the way through and hit all of those stops that it needs to. So yeah, basically we're we're trying to make everybody more efficient by moving their data and them not having to do it themselves. 
Yeah, that's kind of interesting. So there's a mapping that that you build out of yeah. where this information needs to go, and you have a centralized place for including or inputting the information, yeah. and then in a secure and privatized fashion, it is channeled out to the various places where it needs to go. That's Correct. pretty cool. How does that? How do you build these systems? Is that bespoke for each customer, or are there some some basic templates that you use to to get the ball rolling? There, there's some basics, obviously, depending on where the information is coming from. That obviously is standard and where we're delivering it to. Um, and also, different companies have different uh, formats. So there's Pydex, so the Petroleum Industry Data Exchange. So that has to be in a certain format. And one of uh, uh, the vendor portals uses that as their method. So there, there's a lot of things that are definitely reusable. And we build upon that with the, the schemas. And then, of course, when we're sending to you know, a network portal, everybody behind that portal obviously has different requirements as well, too. So we get all of those mapping requirements. So a file will come into us in one specific format, and then we need to determine mm. where it's going to and how we need to format that data to get it to where it needs to go to. So mm. all behind the scenes, all that schema, all that mapping. And as soon as we get a date, some data in, and by the time we send it out, it's only seconds. So yeah, it's uh, pretty crazy what's going on behind the scenes. Well, that's a, it's a very clever and very practical approach for enabling the sharing of data in a responsible yeah. way. Uh, we talk about this all the time, the, the critical nature of morale in organizations and what leads to loss of morale is friction, is inefficiency, yeah. uh, bad data, of course, bad processes. All of these things add up to create a culture of, well... Uh, unhappy people, I guess, and uh, yeah. unhappy people tend to make mistakes, right? So the more yes. you can streamline that process, the better off the employee is going to be. We talk about customer experience. Employee experience is really important too, and partner experience. Whoever is touching these processes, you want them to be doing so in an efficient and quick fashion. And that just, you know, then you can focus on important things like, you know, putting fires out or doing other stuff, yes. right, Michelle? Yeah, exactly. And that's our main selling points. You got it right there, Eric, you know, increasing the proficiency, reducing errors, and getting people to be able to do more important things than key punching and data entry. That's, that's right. <laughs> I remember data entry. Okay, I'm old enough to remember when data entry was <laughs> yeah, like a whole job. It was a whole industry. That's what you did. Oh, I got a job doing data entry. Oh, yeah. boy, does that sound fun. Yeah, Clickety-clack exactly. all day long. Yeah, you want to mitigate as much of that as possible. You want to get the important stuff, but do so in a responsible way. Cool. Very, very exactly. cool. Exactly. Well, let's bring in our second guest. We've got and sticking around for the roundtable with Michelle. We've got David Goodman from a company called iGrant.io. David, tell us a bit about yourself and what you're doing in the data sharing space. Okay. Uh, thank you, Eric. I'm, I'm David. Um, I work for this company, iGrant.io. We're based, I'm based in Scotland, but the company is based in uh, Stockholm, Sweden. And it is uh, four or five years old. Um, and we are in the business of uh, data sharing. Um, and we have a, a data exchange platform, which enables organizations to share verified personal and also non-personal data um, with other organizations. And one of the great things about being able to share about a data exchange is that you can aggregate data from multiple different sources. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you just get data from one, one silo, um, from one source, uh, you may not have everything that you need. You may not have all the attributes that you need to perform, for example, machine learning type activities for uh, analysis. This is particularly true in, in the financial world and also in healthcare, where you want as big a data set as possible in order to get um, as wide a coverage of what is going on either in a financial market or in, say, the diagnostic of uh, certain types of cancers um, where you want to get not a specific demographic or a spe specific age group, but you want as wide as possible uh, and be able to calibrate your algorithms accordingly. For that, you need data. Um, one of the things that um, drives us, we also have available uh, a data wallet, uh, a DApp-based data wallet SDK, 
Really? Um, yes. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, this is interesting. So let's talk about let's talk about D apps. This is a new, relatively new thing, folks. D apps, distributed apps, uh, and it's a new approach to creating applications, and it's really mm-hmm. geared largely around privacy, right? Yeah. So the uh, you're asking Michelle about the, uh, the 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 genesis of her company. Where our company came from initially was around consent management, which is a core part of the GDPR uh, that you just mentioned. Um, And we were working with organizations who wished to uh, ensure that they had the consent of the the individuals whose personal data that they were transacting or had uh, access to. So we were very much coming from the privacy world um, and and, tackle, and dealing with um, the uh, compliance with the GDPR, which is important. Um, we also have something which has come out in Europe called the Data Governance Act, which is about data sharing. Um, and there's a quote from a, a vice president of the European Commission I'd like to share with you, which is that data is not oil. Like we've heard for so long that data is oil. Right. Uh, she said data is not oil. It's a renewable resource that can be pooled, shared, and reused, which is really true. You can't do that with oil. You know, you get oil out of the ground, you burn it, you're done with it. Um, so it's very much not you. It's not oil. You can uh, share, reuse it many, multiple times. And the issue is making sure that you can secure that data and trust it and protect it from misuse and protect the individuals whose data uh, it refers to um, from being uh, uh, from being duped, essentially, um, and empowering them to know what is happening with their data and give consent to the way that it's used, who's going to use it, and who shares it. And ultimately, have some share in uh, the monetization of, of data sharing, which at the moment is completely oblique to to most people um that that is a huge huge issue i actually know some other companies that are focusing on that space right now blockchain companies of the company called crowdpoint we've done some work with and they're all focused on privacy and on finding ways to enable the sharing of information about buying preferences for example without revealing who it is and so they have a digital twin basically which is an nft a non-fungible token and in that Mm -hmm. token all the the buying preferences and history are stored about a particular individual a distributor a seller or whatever and then that floats around on this blockchain and is used to identify opportunities but done done so without revealing who you are whose preferences those are it sounds like you're doing something similar is it based on blockchain or what, what are some of the component parts under the hood? The, the platform is based on Hyperledger, which is, as you know, I'm sure a blockchain. It's open source uh, blockchain, if you like. Mm-hmm. And we don't store data, but what we do and what we've developed recently are a set of data agreements um, so that uh, it's, it's a suite of data exchange agreements so that uh, an organization has an agreement with a, a customer um, about the use of their data. And then there'd be another agreement which is then uh, in place for sharing that data with a third party or multiple third parties. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a suite of them and they're, they're automated. So this is all in the plumbing because nobody wants to see all of this dirty stuff. Um, <laughs> We want to make it, we, we, we emphasize the ease of use. So uh, a lot of this stuff is automated, but um, the good news is it's all auditable. So, which is why one of the reasons for using the, uh, the Hyperledger, and it also means that it's scalable. It's all cloud-based. Yeah. Well, and with these blockchain-enabled systems, and what's very interesting here is that uh, you can do smart contracts, of course, and you can capture all of the details about the transactions and then choose to make that transparent or or yeah. opaque, for example. But there's a lot of information to be gathered in doing so. And I kind of see this next generation of marketplaces evolving for data, but also for products and services and so forth that are outside of the Amazon world, let's say, and some of the other large platforms that have become very, very proficient at doing this kind of thing. But they are 
companies that you can you know really control or influence because they're just huge multinational conglomerates, right? So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. This whole separate world seems to be rising up as almost a counterbalance to that. But what do you think about that? Yeah, um, I think one of the things that's happened, you know, some of the drivers for what's happening at the moment, uh, as we see it, are um, obviously the uh, the regulations, particularly as they affect European uh, European companies and organizations, but also general market trends um, of uh, people waking up post-pandemic or during the pandemic about their, their, their digital personas and digital dependencies, which have become particularly acute during the lockdown when people were spending so much more time online than they ever did previously. Right. Um, so that is making a, a great deal of awareness of uh, some of the some of the practices that have been in place to date, and some of the activities of some of the larger companies. Uh, we won't mention any names. I know you just did, but um, <laughs> we'll keep it clean here. Um, right. <laughs> but you know that the, the whole trustworthiness and the uh, the savviness of individuals. Um, is 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 transformed. For example, we're using Zoom this evening. Um, three years ago, the overwhelming majority of people had no idea what Zoom was. Right. Um, and now everybody is using it. Uh, you know, grandparents are talking to their grandchildren, and the, the 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 pace of digital transformation, both in business and privately, has dramatically accelerated. And with that is a a greatest awareness of what the digital world is about and personal freedoms and what is happening to people's data. So there is a general backlash and lack of trustworthiness about corporate misuse of data. Um, And this is that's a very that's a very interesting point. And I'll just kind of throw it out there for the audience to, to soak up a little bit. But that sort of thing has a very profound impact on behavior. And and trust, of course, we know is something that is uh, difficult to earn, easy to lose, very yeah. hard to earn back. But it's also difficult to to really measure in any meaningful sort of way. So how do you measure for that that kind of thing? How do you know the opportunity cost, for example, of not embracing a more private and governed communication platform for important data? Uh, it's a difficult thing to to determine, uh, but it is something maybe we can pick up in the roundtable discussion uh, at the end of this show because it strikes me as being you know, very uh, what uh, timely that we see so much discussion around ethics these days, ethics and yep. data, ethics and AI, and the reason is because this is a significant turning point in business and how we do things. Never before had there been so much, so many data points about individuals collated all around their persona, which can then be bought and sold and rented by other people to make decisions. I mean, it's crazy the amount of information that's out there. And most people really have no idea the depth to which this information is readily available. But folks, don't touch that bell. We'll be right back. You are listening to DM Radio. Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. All right, folks, welcome back to DM Radio. We're talking all things sharing of data, share and share alike. It's a thing. We heard from Michelle Dwigu in our first segment from Procure Docs and David Goodman from a company called iGrant.io. And next up, we have Saket Sarab. He is the CEO of a company called Nexla. N-E-X-L-A, look those folks up online. I found them a few years ago and looked at the marketplace that they were building for data and was really impressed by what they had done by really opening the doors to sharing at scale for very useful information sets. And then, of course, they went and built a whole engine around that, which I just love. I love tracking the innovation of these companies. They start in one place and realize what they have and they kind of build something else around that. And that's that's what the folks had done at Nexla. But uh, Sarab, tell us a bit about your or second, tell us a bit about your company and what you're doing to enable sharing and, and analysis of data. Yeah. Um, um, thank you, Eric. So Next Lab, we are based in San Mateo in the San Francisco Bay Area. And um, we are a company that's been at the forefront of this thought process about how 
data moves across companies and how it can be relevant and in fact, sometimes necessary for solving various types of business needs. And um, two things brought us into this space. One was the understanding that as we build more intelligent systems, um, you know, more machine learning, data is what feeds into that. Mm-hmm. And there is data that companies have in their in their own environment. And then there's data in their ecosystem that supplements that. So a good example being that, you know, I'm trying to improve my customer service, for example. So I have data for who, you know, visits my sites and do they look at products and all that stuff. But my customer support software has other insights or other pieces of data. So bringing things together is super powerful. The other thing that we also, you know, were clearly observing when starting NextLab was that anytime two companies work together, it will become natural for data to flow between them. Mm. And, you know, a good example among, you know, one of the companies that uses us is we, you know, we all get like groceries delivered, for example, at our home. Clearly, an Instacart has to know what stores have what products to even show it to us and then go pick it up and bring it over, right? So there's clearly a data flow happening between them and the merchants that, you know, they're supporting. Right. So uh, there are many places where such data flow is essential for the services that we get. And uh, we understood that there is a challenge in, you know, bringing the data in and there's a challenge in sending the data out. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's one part of that. Um, We also understood that um, there's a lot of complexity in data. I mean, it's not just straightforward that you just take some data and just go use it. There's a lot of processing that has to happen and which which is what we call as data engineering. And the thinking in Nextland and what you have seen as the evolution of the company has been to automate many of these aspects of engineering around data so that can be, you know, um, done in an easier process, right? Um, People who understand data can do it. It can be done at scale and so on, right? So we are a technology platform that companies have been using to make such use cases possible. Yeah, and you brought up a couple of really good points there. I'd like to dive into one of them, which is you mentioned like your customer support data from those systems. And these days, think of how many systems you have. I mean, the MarTech world, we talk about all the time, the MarTech 8,000. Those are 8,000 different tools and technologies used for automating some part of the marketing and sales process. And they all have their own little view of the world. They all have their kernel, where they came from and where they kind of built out to. And there's a lot of overlap, obviously, between them. But the point is, Whatever systems you have in place right now, they have some valuable data about your customers, your partners, your prospects, whatever the case may be. And to be able to quickly weave in some tidbits from those systems to get a complete view or at least a more complete view is really important and can really help solve challenges. And then, of course, what you really want to do is learn from that and then go upstream and maybe change some policies or change some fashion of how you're capturing, moving, analyzing data, what you're doing with it, optimize your business process. But that starts by getting a complete or a more complete view, right, Second. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for a lot of companies that are providing um, a product, whether they're providing a product to other businesses or whether they're providing a product to the consumer, each company is using hundreds and thousands of different other subservices. You know, you're using a CRM system, you're using a marketing system, you're using multiple inventory systems, you have supply chain, you have, you know, all of that stuff. And what has happened is that companies have started to focus on their unique product value, which means they're using third parties to supplement those capabilities. Now, the application gets distributed, but suddenly to understand your business better, you have to bring all that in together, which is the data, which helps you understand like, you know, how to, how to run the business. Right. So, um, um, I feel like the data challenges have only increased uh, over time for companies, but the end value for the consumer, um, increases. So for example, um, you know, when we go shop for products today at, you know, any website or e-commerce store, most likely they're not holding inventory. Most likely they are getting it from a third party. So this data flow and I think, Michelle, you talked about that uh, portion a little bit, right? Uh, but so comes to every aspect um, of, the, of the business, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that, that's a really good point too. And, you know, I keep thinking to myself, this is the information economy. And the more analysis you can get on relevant data to your business, the better off you're going to be. And I I see this already happening. I see the email marketing tools that we use starting to infuse more data about 
the people in my list, showing me just automatically some of the top people who click, some of the top people open. That That's just a little mini window into what's happening. What you really want to be able to do is then map that across multiple touch points and understand, hey, this person was on the website. He also called into the call center. You know, when you when you can track that behavior across systems, that's when you're really getting somewhere around situational awareness. And, and that's so important to, to A, bolster your frontline workers, give them the information they need to make decisions right now, but also B, help the managers and help the senior directors kind of understand where things are moving and in some significant aggregate, because that's going to help you know where to go next with your business. And it's such a it's such a volatile time right now to be in business because we're seeing so many business processes streamlined and even collapsed. And that's what you want to do is look look at the workflow for whatever it is that you're doing. Let's say it's in retail, you're selling stuff, and to your point, they don't even have it in stock. They're just waiting to get it because they're optimizing that. I mean, Dell figured that out 15, 18 years ago mm-hmm. in the making of computers, and now that knowledge is kind of spread to the rest of the world. But uh, it's really powerful when you can weave together these more in-depth views of your world, right, Sackett? Yeah, in fact, you know, as a consumer, I almost expect that. I call into a company, I sort of assume that they know a whole bunch of information so they can get me to the right solution right away. Um, um, there's a question I just see in chat whether, you know, we are similar to some companies that, you know, bring give a 360 view of customers. Actually, uh, we are not that, to be candid, right? You know, the 360 view of a customer is created by companies that understand how to stitch different data together to create a single view of the customer, right? Um, our job is to deliver the data to such systems. So we are all about delivering data to the applications that actually go use it, Um and we don't actually build the final application. That is, you know, what somebody does, whether they are you know, giving that customer view, whether they're a marketing tool, whether they're a delivery company, or, you know, whether there are some customers in healthcare that do that. So across the board, you know, that's, um, that's what we do. Um, yeah, in healthcare, boy, you want to talk about uh, an area rife for innovation, especially around data. And that's actually a good segue. Maybe after this, I'll bring, uh, I'll bring Michelle back in and David. But like, you think about the, the importance of privacy as it relates to healthcare data and the criticality of knowing as much data as you can possibly get. I mean, think about mm-hmm. uh, different medicines you're taking and when it's contraindicated, things of that nature, to be able to make a diagnosis, for example. Uh, we've learned in the last few years just how crazy the world can get with, uh, with healthcare scares like COVID. Uh, but uh, geez, there's going to be so much benefit, I think, in the healthcare space by enabling the trusted sharing of information around individual patients and around population health too. That's the other thing too, is to understand yeah. now that we have the compute power, now that we have the data, we can really start diving into understanding macro trends like around the Pittsburgh area and in the whole Rust Belt, really multiple sclerosis is very prominent. Why is that? Is it because there's something in the water? Is it because of the, the steel mills over the years? Is it because there's not enough sunshine because it's cloudy all the time? These are all theories, but the point is you can start getting somewhere if you can get the data in and do some meaningful analysis, right, Sackin? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'll allude a little bit to some of the conversation we were having um, earlier, right? I mean, um, this data across companies can ex- can create extremely powerful use cases, Um and some extremely powerful sort of, um, you know, aggregates, indicators of trends, like uh, we were talking about earlier, but also become something that creates a lot of responsibility for companies as far as governance, right? And the way uh, we think about exchange of data, there are many parts to it, right? One is that, um, you know, bringing the data, moving it around the sort of thing that we do, right? But it is also like, what is the quality of that data? What is the governance of that data? How do I how do I use it? And in many cases that we are seeing more so recently is how to make all that happen in, in more real time um, um, rather than through what was more historically like, you know, batches or processes. So um, yeah, some that, very that. interesting trends in that in how exchange of data um, is evolving and, and also the marketplace part. That, um, yeah, well, the closer to now, time. yeah, the closer to now you can get the better. I'll throw it over to uh, mm-hmm. to Michelle. And I think uh, Sackett was even alluding to some process intelligence capabilities where you can detect, we're starting to see this in the what's called observability now in the data world, 
we're starting to detect when some source of information either goes down or changes in, in nature of what it's delivering as alerts to to go in and look and see and make sure everything's working properly. Yeah. Uh, but when I think about what you folks have done, what I get excited about is the process orientation and finding those those choke points or those control points where you can weave in data from other systems or deliver data to other systems. Those are what allow you to optimize and collapse those business processes, right? What do you think, Michelle? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, just it's going to benefit the customers a lot more when you can kind of weave in some additional data, find out where those choke, choke points are. I mean, for us, if any of our systems are, are having er- errors, we're having problems writing certain data to another system we're getting email notifications we can flag when you know things don't jive between systems as well too and notify our customers in real time to let them know that hey you have a problem with your data you need to fix it so it can be imported or integrated into the other system yeah that's right and you and you get the audit trail i'll throw this over to, to david goodman too Audit trails are beautiful things. I mean, one of the nice aspects of cloud computing, from my perspective, is that the way I view it, we really have baked into cloud architectures so many of the best practices that we learned over years and years of on-prem data centers. Basic stuff like login, who logged in, when, what did they touch, which system did they touch, what did they change? All that now is is quite clearly um available and and readily available to auditors to business people so guess what when someone does something inappropriate you can find it there it is i have the record of that right you've got the receipts that's a new trend all the kids are talking about right the receipts you get the receipts but uh, i think that's nothing but good news for all of us you know transparency is the best sunlight is or sunlight is the best trans is best disinfectant i guess they say and that's what transparency delivers so I think that uh, this this movement that we're seeing, I'll go back to you, David, with these uh, D apps and blockchain, uh, is very encouraging. But what do you think? Yeah, it is. It is encouraging, and it's really important. Um, you know, if if there is a data breach, um, if data gets lost, um, somebody has to take responsibility for it, uh, whoever it is. And if if there is an audit trail of who has agreed to what. And where the uh, the provenance of the data that um, one organization or one company has been using, then it makes it considerably easier. And it also puts a greater on- onus and responsibility on uh, companies to to look after the data that they that they um, have uh, have agreed to share. So the auditability is is really important. Um, I wanted to touch back on what you were saying about healthcare because. This is something that we've observed, you, and you, you hit the nail on the head with this thing about the individual responsibility and not individual uh, uh, patient or um, in uh, mm-hmm. person whose data maybe initially goes to the general practitioner who wants to share it with a the hospital. They want to share it with a pharmacy, maybe a medical research unit. And if you can um, bind up all of the, the, the agreements to share, uh, it speeds things up dramatically. I happened to be in, in hospital recently, and I filled in a whole load of forms asking the same questions over and over again. Oh, and, um, you know, this I could brutal. almost, yeah, it's brutal. <laughs> I, could, I, can, I can memorize my name and my, my date of birth now better than anybody. Staggering. Um, <laughs> um, so that's, that's one aspect of it. But the other one, is doing the diagnostics on large data sets is really important. And one of the things that we found is that hospitals wishing to um, do an analysis using AI or whatever hmm. um, on big data sets aren't able to share that information with other hospitals because of security concerns. Yep. So there's a whole security dimension around uh, data anonymization secure multi-party computation and so on and so forth. That's that's exactly right. And and that is a huge issue. We'll talk about that in the next roundtable, folks. Don't touch that. That will be right back. You are listening to DM Radio. Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. 
Okay, folks, welcome back to DM Radio. We're talking all things data sharing today, share and share alike. It's a thing. Great lineup of guests. We've been talking to Michelle Dwigu of ProcureDocs, David Goodman of iGrant, and uh, Saket Sarab of Nexla. And maybe, Saket, I'll throw this one over to you. We're talking about governance and the importance of governance. And I think about uh, basic things like GDPR, of course, that's that's pretty critical. But governance should be uh, something that all companies are striving for because it's it's indicative of responsibility, basically. So you have ways of, of baking policies in and dealing with access to information, for example, um, which is pretty important. But uh, what are your thoughts on governance in this new age of, of big data that's everywhere? How do you how do you get it done? Yeah, I think, uh, Eric, you're right on that governance is essential, right? Now, um, if you think about this, there is a, there's been a, a conversation about democratizing data. How can data be used better or more you know, easily within an organization? So that's one end of the need. The other end of the need is, yes, we want that, but we also want it to be governed, right? And um, you know, um, I'm sure your listeners have heard about the concept of data mesh, something that is trying to bring those two worlds together, have data products, have governance around them. Now, um, governance, I would say, has a few flavors to it, right? First part is like who should be able to see data, right? As a, as an individual, so within an organization, a large company, a lot of data, who can see what? Then it becomes about how do you package like, um, you know, for sensitive data? How do you package the non-sensitive aspects of data in a way that are available to people? Which is like, you know, sensitive information should be tokenized or masked or hidden or removed from the data before it can be now considered as a safe data to work with. And then it becomes the application part. We also talk about the consumer end of it, right? What data is being used at the end consumer? So for example, the end application is advertising. What data can be used or cannot be used? And that's where a lot of the governance from the aspect of, you know, um, different government policies also comes into place, right? Which is, um, you know, where does the data sit? Does the data move out of a certain country or region, right? Um, what data is captured? Is that captured with the consent of the person or not? So there are different aspects of governance. Um, a lot has been focused, I think, on um, the regulatory aspect of it, which is, um, you know, absolutely needed and necessary. But uh, within the organization, also governance is a challenge. And one of the things we are striving for in helping companies, they need tools to do that. It's like, how can governance not slow you down? You can create data products that are safe. You can manage the access control, um, do that more quickly and easily. Um, but then also go and look back um, at saying, where was certain data used? Was it the appropriate place to use it and, um, and have the tools to manage that? In a large organization, I cannot state it enough, there is so much data and so much places it's hard to track and keep up with. Yeah. That's, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. And maybe David, I'll throw this uh, back over to you. You know, as yeah. we continue to move through this, uh, this very significant transformation in data and how it's used, how it's captured, all the permissions around that kind of stuff. I mean, you're in this space of, of trying to enable responsible sharing of information. Where do you think this is all headed? And what what are the headwinds? What's preventing a responsible future around data? Um, Getting getting companies to realize how important it is and the consequences of not paying sufficient attention to uh, the privacy concerns of their customers and the security concerns. One of the things, you know, uh, I was thinking when Sackett was talking was from a, a corporate point of view, um, what corporates need to do is put in place uh, privacy programs, data privacy programs, which cover um, you know, which cover a multitude of different things that they, uh, a, a DPO or a CPO needs to take a look at um, from a company-wide perspective. So, you know, reasonable security, um, the the regulations that are involved, knowing where the data assets are, where they're stored, who's got access to them, who shouldn't and uh, shouldn't have access to them, because there is this concern about um, compliance, which is obviously important, um, but there is also m- major concerns about data breaches and what happens if you have a, a data breach. And a lot of people say it's not a matter of 
um, if you're going to have a data breach, it's when you have a data breach, and what do you do about it, and where do the responsibilities and where do the liabilities lie for a corporate and for the individuals responsible um, if such if and when such things happen. So the governance can be looked at from uh, you know multiple different dimensions uh, depending on where you're coming from. Um, what we can do is uh, enable people to share data uh, responsibly um, in compliance. We can't make people a GDPR compliant, for example, because uh, you know the, the transactions that we're talking about can be compliant, but there are so many other ways that a corporate can breach GDPR compliance. Um, I'm not going to list them here, but there are so many ways that companies can get things wrong. But what we can ensure is that in the transaction uh, of data that um, it's done responsibly and it's and it's auditable. And I think coming back to your initial question, which uh, I seem to remember, um, companies are beginning to wake up to the fact that they have to do more than just tick boxes. Mm-hmm. And um, they have to take very proactive actions, um, both internally in, in the creation of their privacy programs and also in the way that they transact with other organizations and with their consumers, um, or in case of healthcare, with their patients concerning their data. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. And Michelle, uh, Dweebo, I'll throw it over to you for some closing comments here. Uh, like, I, like I said before, what I what I get excited about in terms of what you folks are doing is the awareness around process and around the data life cycle and the, mm-hmm. the processes that are running these businesses. And you're giving a window into that environment because, you know, to, uh, to Sackett's point a minute ago, in large organizations, there is so much data and there are so many not just off-the-shelf systems, but homegrown systems. Those are even harder to audit and to understand because someone just hacked out a bunch of code to solve some problem sometime. So you're giving this window into the processes, and I think that's very beneficial to help ensure integrity of the data and quality of the data and responsible use of it. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, going in, trying to integrate or send data into a hacked-in system you know, we can kind of identify some of those areas that need to be improved and, uh, you know, kind of make it more cohesive with their other systems as well, too. So, you know, it's the old adage, garbage in, garbage out. So (laughs) when we start uh, tying systems together, that's when people realize that uh, in their, what they consider their, their Bible or source of the truth, that maybe it's not as clean as it should be as soon as you start uh, moving that. And especially if you're moving that to uh, a B2B customer as well, too, you want to make sure that that data is clean as well. So yeah, it kind of highlights the issues with data uh, in that respect, that if it's not uh, up to snuff or, you know, duplicates, things like that. Right. Duplicates, of course, that that's actually a good point. And uh, in our last minute or so, I'll throw it back over to, uh, to Sackett. You know, they say in the open source world, many eyes make few of the errors in the code. Bad code will go away because so many people can see it. And I'm guessing, just real quick here, that uh, the data exchange that you're running, the fact that you have multiple eyes coming in and look at, at these data sets now, especially with collaborative capabilities, you can get to the truth faster. You can get someone who will say, hey, wait a minute, there's something wrong with this data. I haven't, I've worked with this data before. There's something wrong with this column. That, that collaborative work around the data helps improve the quality. What do you think, Sackett? Yeah, I think uh, absolutely. And one of the things that I'm excited about that is happening in the ecosystem in general is um, the concept of data mesh, thinking about data as a product, thinking about data that there are uh, that is being produced by some entity, that is being consumed by other entities, that has governance around it. And one of the things that this is doing is one, helping people document what the data is, helping them discover it, helping them figure out how to use it. But all of these are very collaborative. So if things are documented, this is the column, this is what it does, this is where it has been used by these other use cases, then it becomes so much easier to find, you know, what is the right one that I need as a data user and what yeah. is the one, what are the issues there? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's so important. And we've seen a lot of, uh, of innovation around that particular space in the last few years, frankly, around collaboration and around surfacing in, insights for your users to kind of help them. This is where AI comes in very handy. 
quite frankly, is just looking for patterns, noticing similarities between people, like in particular roles, and saying, you know, to, to Bob, for example, hmm, you may be interested in this data set because Susan is interested in it as well, and you two seem to be doing the same thing all the time. Little stuff like that can be very helpful to help us not reinvent wheels all the time. Gov- companies pay so much time and effort reinventing wheels. Governments do the same thing. The more we can share, the more we can collaborate, the better we can preen these processes and get them nice and tight. But folks, thanks so much for your time. Uh, send me an email info at dmradio.biz. You've been listening to DM Radio. Okay, folks, it's time for the inaugural episode of The Dialectic. Yours truly, Eric Cavanaugh here. And our first episode features a conversation with Sanjay Brahmawar, Chief Executive Officer over at Software AG, about their recent purchase of stream sets for a tidy 524 million euro. Very impressive stuff. And I talked to him about what he calls the digital backbone of Software AG. Here it is. Okay, so tell us about this digital backbone concept. I think it's very interesting, and I see you, Software AG, is very well positioned to service this component, which is such an important layer. It's an abstraction layer, but really it's the digital backbone, so it's what is holding up all these new functionalities and business models that we're trying to roll out around the world. Tell us your thoughts on what that is and what it entails. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity, Eric. Look, I think, you know, um, we, we um, are really working with our customers to help them become truly connected enterprise. If you think about uh, our clients, you know, they have very disparate, very, um, you know, distributed architecture. They've got lots of data on-prem. They've got private cloud, public cloud. They're also building a lot more intelligence and compute power on the edge uh, with edge devices or, or, or edge assets. And, and so um, our clients need the ability to be able to bring all of this data together, whether they're bringing it to a data lake or they're, they're bringing it into a snowflake um, uh, capability, uh, et cetera, and then allowing the business the access to that data. So what we, what we offer our clients is this digital backbone, this capability of hybrid integration, API management, data ingestion, uh, process mining, capability that allows our clients to be able to, you know, literally go to event, um, event-based, event-driven uh, architectures, you know, being able to use uh, service mesh, app mesh, or everything that's based on microservices, flexibility and agility on top of our infrastructure stack, which we call digital back- backbone. And, and customers really need that capability to be able to become more digital. So, you know, then on top of that, they can, they can build their own applications that, that add value or differentiation for them, or they can leverage cloud-based applications. They can go multi-cloud because the future is multi-cloud. They'll be able to leverage capabilities from, uh, from providers both on Eastern clouds or on Western clouds. And you know what's interesting is I think there is probably a presumption in the marketplace and a false one that Google or Amazon or Microsoft can kind of provide that for you in their cloud environment. But in reality, that's not the case for a variety of reasons. They all have their strengths. They all have some weaknesses, obviously, and they're constantly evolving as well. But to your point, first of all, no, they don't have that capability, this, this sort of robust digital backbone across these domains, right? You talked about process mining. We talked about data. We talked about data pipelines. We talked about the edge, edge intelligence, architecture, all this stuff. There's lots of good stuff out there, but weaving it together into what you're calling a digital backbone, that's not something that you're going to get just by going to Microsoft or Google or Amazon or anyone, quite frankly, it seems to me, in the cloud players. And besides which, number two, to your point, multi-cloud is real and it's never, ever, ever going to go away. So I think this is a very clever approach that you've taken at Software AG about focusing on this digital backbone, this abstraction layer that allows companies to plug and play wherever they need certain functionality, whether it's at the edge for IoT or uh, in some other environment in their, in their core processes. And that's positioned you right in between all these major players, which is, sounds like a pretty clever place to be. But what do you think? Yeah, no, look, I mean, I think that's absolutely the way our clients are, uh, are feeling today, experiencing, uh, experiencing their own setups today. They want to have this abstraction layer and a layer that they own that gives them the independence and the flexibility to be able to make decisions, make choices. Their businesses are evolving at a rapid pace, Eric, you know, and, and the capabilities that they want are not all served by a single cloud provider. And actually, in, in the world that they live, they want to be able to have that um, and that openness, that uh, 
that, you know, that ability to leverage the best from the ecosystem. And that's what we offer with our digital backbone. And, and, and the way we work is, you know, we're building deep expertise in, 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 in a range of applications, in a range of clouds, in, in a range of data solutions, in a range of data lakes or, or um, you know, kind of analytic capabilities, which allows our clients um, the ability to, to create a, a strong ecosystem for, for differentiation. So, so this is absolutely the space that we are in. Yeah, it's very interesting, too. And what you're also basically talking about is enabling your customers to future-proof their architecture and their application stack, right? Because if you have the layer of abstraction that allows you to mine the processes, to optimize the processes, and to weave in data analytics from Snowflake, from AWS, Redshift, wherever, you don't want to force customers to go down only one path you want to give them the options because guess what the world is heterogeneous and it's going to remain so and uh, and thus you've kind of positioned yourself as the rosetta stone for both data and processes that can translate across all these environments is that about right yeah yeah no absolutely and i think you know the more and more i discuss with customers this is this is absolutely on their mind future proofing not mm-hmm. having a lock-in not getting you know, not getting into a situation where, you know, um, they, they have to unwind after a certain number of years. And then there's a lot of, right. you know, technical debt to do this right. unwinding. <laughs> you know, and many of the customers have, have had that because they're all familiar with having invested in large ERP solutions, et cetera. And they are pretty, you know, tied down and, and the businesses are evolving so fast where what ends up effectively is the businesses go and buy many other solutions in many places and the organization is again left with the task of trying to bring together fragment, fragmented uh, capabilities. So, so I think keeping keeping themselves, you know, agile in microservices, containerizing, having that, you know, bring in, bring out the ability to take out a component and put it back in, you know, that kind of real uh, flexibility in their architecture is so critical for future proofing your uh, your uh, infrastructure. That's, that's just brilliant. Thank you so much, folks. We'll be talking to Sanjay Brahmawar of Software AG. Congratulations on your acquisition of stream sets. It's a big deal. And good luck going forward. Thank you very much, Eric, for having me. Okay, take care.